Hello. Welcome to episode four of Politics Could Never. I'm Tess Seddon. In 2017, I stood for election in Leeds, which I've since turned into a musical with Theatre State, Leeds Playhouse and Camden People's Theatre. It's called Say Yes to Tess, and it charts my journey of standing for election, knocking on doors and ultimately finding confidence to vote for myself. Having such a close relationship with our democracy made me believe that we could change things. So when I started working with Cheryl, Peace, Nicole, Arthur, Hannah and Kiara, I really, really wanted them to be able to meet someone who's actually in power to have that close relationship. And I'm so excited about today because we've managed to get the newly appointed Mayor of West Yorkshire, ex-MP and, most excitingly, ex-Coronation Street star, Tracy Brabin, to meet with the group. Welcome to Politics Could Never. I'm Peace, Cheryl, Nicole, Kiara, Arthur, Hannah. We're a bunch of teenagers from Seacroft in Leeds who are on a journey to understand the behind the scenes of politics. Join us as we try to find out why young people are not involved in decisions that affect us most. Hope you enjoy. Hi guys, welcome back to Politics Could Never. Today we're going to be talking to Tracy Brabin. So, Tracy, before we begin with the questions, we just want to ask, how do you pronounce your surname? Brabin, as as if it's got a Y. Brabin. Oh, we've been saying it wrong. Brabin all this time. My nickname at school was Breadbin. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so to our knowledge, we believe that you are the first Metro Mayor can you tell us more about what you do? Female, sorry, female, Metro Mayor. Can you please tell us more about what you do? Yeah, so you're right. I am the first woman Metro Mayor in the country. So there are 10 mayors. Only one of those 10 mayors is a woman. Um, my uh, reach is 2.3 million people, nine universities, hundreds of thousands of businesses. And my role is to implement my manifesto pledges. So when I went to the people to in the election in May, I said I was going to deliver 5,000 affordable homes, um, uh, tackle the climate emergency, 1,000 jobs for young people, skills training, support businesses, uh, bring bosses back into public control, a whole raft of things. Um, put equality, diversity and inclusivity at the heart of everything I want to do. And the public then voted for that manifesto. 60%, I got 60% of the vote. Um, and now my job with 700 members of staff is to deliver on those manifesto pledges um, and also be a champion for our region. So there's two things. One is to deliver on the pledges and those pledges are the floor of how, how I want to deliver. So the minimum is that, and obviously I want to go further. And um, the those pledges are really important to me because they set the direction of travel for West Yorkshire. But also I, I want to be the champion. So you might have noticed um, last week that the government said we weren't going to get the transport system we said we needed. So I was able to speak for the public and I used buses and trains myself and I was able to say to government, it's not good enough. We want a better deal and we'll we'll work with government to get a better transport system. So I am the voice of the public. That's very, very impressive. Thank you. 
<clears throat> How did you begin your political journey? Well, I never thought I'd be in politics ever. I wanted to be an actor. Um, I grew up in Batley in a council flat with my mom, my dad and my sister. And I just wanted to be an actor. I didn't know anybody. Uh, we had no money. We'd never, we didn't go to the theatre, but I wanted to do it. And I got a chance first in my family to go to university. So I did drama at uni. So then I, I started out as, a, uh, as an actor and a writer. Then um, I, I'd always campaigned for the Labour Party. Uh, I knew where I came from and it was really deep inside me that I knew that all the benefits I've had in my life were because of a Labour government, free libraries, free education, social housing. When I was getting started, social security, so I didn't um, starve. And all of those things made me Labour through and through. And I used to campaign for others to get elected. And I campaigned with Joe Cox. And when she was murdered, I said, um, was there anything that I could do? And one of her friends said, do you want to be an MP? So I threw my hat in the ring. 70 other people also stood. And it was a process of um, interview and then um, voting. And then it went to the people and I was elected in. And so I became a member of parliament for the place where I grew up. But I never thought I was going to get into politics. But you know what? Everything we do is political. Whether you think your gran should have access or a boss that takes her to the local hospital, whether you think climate change is serious and government aren't dealing with it fast enough, if you think outside your college you need a new zebra crossing and you get some mates together and you, you do some posters, if you want your community be, to be safer and you go on a march to say safer streets for women and girls, that's politics. So there's loads of politics already in your life, probably. But becoming an, an MP was not something I was anticipating at all. But when I've been an MP for five years and then the opportunity to stand for mayor and I looked around and I thought, they're all men. I got to find a woman I could get behind. Where are they? And then I thought, well, I've got to do it myself. I've got to stand myself. Um, but I really want more women in politics. So you know and, and and Arthur sorry not just women <laughs> and Arthur as well um, <laughs> uh, to, to make sure that we get a voice of our region people who sound like us people who've lived our life people who know the price of a bag of shopping because I think in parliament strangers in Whitehall and Westminster they don't live our life so we need voices like yours in politics thank you um my question is did you ever lose faith when you had to go through the whole campaigning process? Because I can imagine it was a very long process to go through. Um, it was it was challenging because it was COVID. So we didn't know because we weren't on the doorsteps, door knocking. Um, we didn't know what the feeling was. And often you can tell if people are interested in voting for you or not because of your conversations but everything was on the phone because it was COVID. So we had to call people and we'd start every conversation with, I hope you and your family are okay. Because you'd be calling people, not knowing what's going on in their lives. They might have lost someone, they might be ill, they might have lost their business, um, they might be isolated and lonely. So it was a very weird campaign. Um, so I, I really didn't know what was going to happen. But I did think at least if, well, if I don't get it, I'll continue being an MP, which is an amazing job. So it, it wasn't that 
if I didn't get elected, then that would be the end of it. I'd still be in politics. But I must say, during the period when I was an MP of Brexit, when everybody was made so angry by the language the government were using, calling calling people traitors and um, calling it the Capitulation Act and you know trying to whip up the public's hatred for MPs. I had so much abuse and I've never had to have the police with me. But during that period of Brexit, I had to have police at my surgeries because I had so many bloody threats and death threats. And I remember door knocking at one point. I put a leaflet in and I was walking down the street and this guy ran, ran after me and he was tearing the leaflet off and goes, I ate you. I ate you, and my dog ate you. And I thought, oh, the poor dog. I bet the dog ate me. As the dog ate me. But but I do think Brexit got people overheated, and that was a really hard time. How did that make you feel? Really um, awful, because, because these are people I care about. They're my constituents. You know, they're people who I am trying to say... Brexit, the hard Brexit that the government wanted, that complete cut with Europe, would affect our businesses. It would affect manufacturing in West Yorkshire. And the futures are for your kids. You know, the opportunities of Europe for young people are many. And just to cut off Europe and call them the enemy made no sense. So it was really sad. And my mum voted... um, to leave the EU you know it's people you care about and you get in a conversation with them and people get very you know one side or the other there's no middle ground it seems so it was quite an upsetting period and um you know I was I was a bit nervous for my own safety bearing in mind how I came into politics but I had to say to my family that was just once in a you know generation that will never happen happen again and then unfortunately you know only a few weeks ago um Sir David Amos was killed in his surgery uh, so in five years there's been two MPs being uh, murdered so um it, it is challenging times and I think part of the problem as well is poor mental health resources I don't think we've understood the impact on people's mental health Brexit unemployment, poverty, poor housing, and also now, of course, COVID and isolation, that I think we're going to have a, a, a mental health tsunami. And I'm putting lots in, 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 in train that is hopefully going to help well-being because we need robust mental health if we're going to succeed and flourish. Uh, well, thank you for that. Um, is it harder being a woman in politics? Um. <clears throat> There are challenges because you get more abuse and usually from men um, uh, and usually a similar type of man, a middle-aged white man, um, loves having a pop at women. But I also think there's a real bonus from being a woman in that you are allowed in a way in politics to be empathetic and collegiate and cooperative and warm. And, uh, you know, I was looking around for senior leaders to work out what kind of leadership I want, you know, how I wanted to lead 700 people and the whole of West Yorkshire. And identifying people like Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand, um, you know, that's a type of leadership that is very relaxed 
and that isn't about swagger and the big I am. Um, and so I think in a way, being a woman helps you because you can you can be uh, your own type of leader. You don't have to follow the pack and, you know, be somebody that's macho or, you know, um, I don't know, military. Or, you know, there's a particular type of male leadership. And I think as a woman, you're free to be yourself. What do you think of that, Arthur? Do you feel like, uh, <laughs> do you feel uh, closer to male uh, politicians or female? Or do you, feel, do you feel like you're more interested in what they're looking at? Uh, no comment. <laughs> I'm undecided. You're undecided. Okay. I- I don't know if you remember, there was a period when I was the Shadow Secretary of State for Culture and I was in the dispatch box and my dress fell off my shoulder and um, I got so much abuse. And um, I'm sorry for the, uh, for the language, but the, um, I, I, I was breastfeeding. I was a slag. I was being taken from behind over a wheelie bin. I, I was, yeah, I was on the game. The, the abuse was a torrent of abuse from men about what I was wearing because I showed some shoulder. Anyway, I replied, sorry, I can't reply to everybody. And I listed all the things people had said. And I said, who knew you could get so emotional over a shoulder? Anyway, that got a bit of head of steam. And I auctioned the dress and it was from um, ASOS, 35 quid. And I made 20,200 and gave the money to the girl guides because the girl guides do brilliant work on young women's self-esteem and um, the fact that they did a survey that there was a large percentage of under 13s that felt shamed about their bodies I mean can you believe that so the work they do is to give young women confidence so I, I think I think I got one back over the trolls and so that's the key try not to take it seriously um, women do get abu- abuse for their appearance. In this, men just don't. If my if if I'd been a guy and not wearing a tie or something, I mean nobody would have said a thing. But just a shoulder that everybody went berserk. It was just hilarious. Anyway, you just have to push back and be funny. <laughs> That's abs- absolutely insane. But um, I don't even know what to say to that comment. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, going more down the financial route, um, how do you decide what to allocate money to in certain areas, whether it be buses, housing? How schools. do you decide? Schools, yeah. How do you make the decision? That's a really good question. I don't have powers over school. I have powers over adult education. So what I'm doing is I'm identifying what skills businesses need so I can then support the training through deciding what I pay, where I pay the money. So for me, digital skills are lacking across West Yorkshire. So I can identify providers and pay them to, to give digital skills. But one of my manifesto pledges, for example, was the safety of women and girls. So I've been able to identify and bid for money from government and to use our own money for example, to over two million for um, independent domestic violence advisors to help women go through the court process, and we've got twenty five of those um, over a two year uh, process um, contract. 
Um, I've got money ring-fenced for safer streets and parks. I've got money allocated to um, some work in universities with young men talking about consent and don't be a bystander, you know, how to be a good mate. Um, being able to say to the chief constable, I want the police force to represent the community it serves. We need more diversity in the police force and to give them extra funding to create 750 more roles in the police force, but with a focus on diversity. So I can take my manifesto pledges and with the 38 million a year that we get from what's called gain share, which is what you get when you're the mayor, we can allocate that money for projects that serve the whole of West Yorkshire. Because if you remember, you've got your five councils, you've got Kirklees, Calderdale, Wakefield, Leeds and Bradford, and they've got their own budgets and they do their own stuff. But my role is like an umbrella across all of West Yorkshire, identifying where the gaps are so I can fill those gaps. So, for example, spending money on flood prevention is something I'm interested in. Spending money on lowering our carbon emissions across West Yorkshire, I'm happy to spend money on that. Spending money on identifying a film studio of the North in West Yorkshire, I spend money on that because it chimes with my manifesto pledges. Um, moving on to your pledges, we saw that you want to create a thousand um, well-paid jobs for young people. Can you explain in more depth what you mean by that? So I don't know why I decided a thousand. It just sounded like a big number. And I thought that sounds like a good goal. A thousand jobs for young people. It's probably not enough. Um, uh, it's not enough. But, but I think what's, it's not. You're right. Um, but it, I, I think it was a dynamic figure. So what I've, what I've done is I've set up what's called a green jobs task force. So I'm working with companies who are in the green sector and sustainability, and we are working together and they are identifying jobs that I can support and making sure that the training is there for young people to make sure that they get jobs that are well paid. So, you know, of course, everybody needs to start a job and learn and train. But if we can make sure that young people have got the skills and the smarts, then we will make sure that those jobs are there for them. Now, the, the market at the moment in West Yorkshire is actually very buoyant in the jobs market. There are less people claiming out of work benefits and there are more vacancies. But what's important to me, is that those vacancies are good quality jobs. So I've got what's called a fair work charter. And I'm working with Andy Burnham, the mayor of Greater Manchester, Steve Rotherham, the mayor of Liverpool, and Dan Jarvis, the mayor of South Yorkshire, to get the fair work charter across the whole of the North. So businesses will sign up to pay proper money, to pay the real living wage, to give workers the chance to join a union so that everybody across West Yorkshire gets paid properly. Because it, it's rubbish, the gig economy is rubbish, where you're paid pennies, and particularly because you're young, employers think they can get away with it. Go on, what were you going to say? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can, I was going to ask how much 
would the wage be that is you it, guys would distribute out? Yeah, higher than four pounds thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what was, that's what I was going to say. Well, absolutely. And so, um, at sixteen, it's four pounds something, isn't it? Yeah, four pound sixty, I believe. Just a violation. I I thought it was four fifty. It's four sixty. Well, let me tell you. I think it should be ten pound an hour, and it should be (laughs) better. But I absolutely think if you're doing the same job as somebody else who could be older than you, you deserve the same pay. And to be honest, that's why I think you should have votes at 16, because you're working and you're paying tax. And so it should be that you can then vote in somebody who is going to do with your tax money what you want them to do um, and uh, not have to wait to 18. Because if you're working at 16 and paying tax, you should be allowed to vote. Well, you're now my favourite politician. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's, that's, that's good to hear. Um, what would you think Yorkshire would be like if 16s and 17-year-olds could vote? Well, I mean, I, I could ask you this question. Do you think your friends would vote if they could? Yeah. Certain yeah. people, definitely. So. <laughs> that's just your friends Arthur yeah. you said you said no why uh, not many of my friends are really interested in voting or anything to do with politicalness and why do you think that is not sure honestly I don't think they've really you know been taught about it that much you know to actually get an interest in it on that topic would you ever like just out of curiosity would you ever think of bringing into like politics in school and have it having it for like say year eights and then year nines or whether by choice you want to do it all the way up until year 11. What would you think about that? I'm really surprised that when I was an MP, I went into some schools that didn't even have a school council. And I think politics is about living the politics. So being able to be in school and come together as a, as a class or a year group, identify somebody that can be your champion, your voice, and they can then ask the um, teachers for greater improvements, say, you know, um, maybe uh, pride celebrations or a a loneliness um, bench in a playground, you know, where somebody will sit there and you can chat if you're lonely, a better play equipment. That is politics, making life better for the people around you is politics. I can't believe some schools don't have a school council because that is the way you in you know practically understand democracy that you listen to what people have to offer you and then you choose who you think chimes with your feelings. Now I also used to host um, young people in parliament. You can have a, a visit around parliament. Lots of schools didn't do that. And it was down to individual teachers to take young people to Parliament. And it's open to everybody. You can go on an educational day to Parliament and and go in their chamber and you can, uh, an MP will come and talk to you. I mean, it's really good. When I became an MP, I hadn't even been in the building. So I was really frightened (laughs) because it's so posh. And the history of it, you know, you just feel daunted by it. And daunted by these people walking about who are MPs. And then you get to know them and you think some of them are just fools. They really are. Some are brilliant and absolutely brilliant across all all parties. But some, I don't know how they got the job. But, you know, you you just get, you just, I was, I was, I was 
daunted by the building. So I think it's important for young people to go into the building. It's your building. So I think um, you could ask at school, can we have a trip to Parliament? Can we have a um, democracy day? Can we Have we got a school council? Stand for school council. You know, that politics is right there for you. Do you have any plans to get young people into Parliament and sort of knowing more about politics? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, Leeds has got um, a, a youth council, which shadows the Leeds City Council. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, if you live in Seacroft, that might be something good to do. But I would like to be more um, um, connected. That's why I'm going to uh, recruit an inclusivity champion. So we've allocated £600,000 for three years for someone to work in those communities that feel arm's length from power. So young people, disabled people, black, Asian, minority, ethnic communities, um, the refugees, people who don't believe their politicians speak for them. So the inclusivity champion will work with me to make sure that nobody gets left behind in my thinking. I'm so sorry, I've got to, I've got to go. One last question, um, if there's a burning question. Yeah, can you help get us into Parliament, please? <laughs> we really want to We've go. been yeah. trying for weeks and weeks. Long time. Who's your, who's, who's your MP in Seacroft? Is it Alex Sobel? Richard Bergen. Bergen. Oh, Richard Bergen. Can I, can I invite you to say, you write a letter to Richard Bergen and say, you spoke to me, you want to go to Parliament, and I suggested, as your MP, he can take you and show you around. Oh, my God. Okay? okay. Thank, you. thank you. And so thank you so much. And if he doesn't, and if he doesn't, he'll have me to answer to. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure he will. He's a friend, and I'm sure he will. But he probably doesn't know you exist. And I'm sure, um, but you know he's a, he's a busy MP. He he may not know the organisation, uh, but if you write to him and you say you spoke to me, you want to go to Parliament, um, I suggested that you write to him and um, let me know how it goes. Okay. Thank, Thank you so much. much. If he doesn't reply, let me know. We will do. Thank you. Thank okay. You. All right. Have a great evening, folks. You, you too. too. It was nice meeting you. Nice, nice to meet you. you. Bye now. Bye. Bye. So, keep that high, hyper energy that you just had. Um, how was it um, interviewing Tracy? Okay. She was the sweetest. She was honestly so sweet. And she was funny as well. She, oh, made yeah. us laugh she, she kept us entertained. Well. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to have a conversation with her. It was very just natural and it didn't seem yeah. um, too fast or anything. It flowed well. It flowed quite well. Like, you know she's a politician, but once you're speaking to her, she seems like a normal person. Literally. And she sounded so passionate as well. Yeah. Like, just the way she was talking about, like, the girls thing, for example. Yeah. Women, young girls, she young so women and men. Passionate. Yeah, you can tell she likes what she exactly. does. Exactly. Did that surprise you about her? No. Not really. No, I mean, I she has to like it. it. You're expecting it? Yeah. She does it for a living. Of course she has to like it. What, what did you find funny about what she said? how she feels about young people and like <laughs> I thought like most politicians would be against 
people 16 voting she actually literally it. yeah it was kind of interesting that we didn't even have to ask at all she just said she just told us she just told us that yeah she she thinks that 16 under 18 should have a vote which mm-hmm. i agree so yeah how did that make, how did that make you feel to to um hear someone I in power like saying that you guys should be able to vote Seen. I felt appreciated. She yeah. said ten pounds an hour. <laughs> I felt appreciated. So well do you. Uh, I definitely felt relieved because it's like throughout quite a bit of this process, we've kind of had like more people say no than yeah, and then to have like the mayor of West Yorkshire agree and say that we should is kind of like a. Ooh, like a weight off the shoulder saying that we finally have someone on our side. It's like hope. Yeah. Hope that our voices are actually reaching out to the important people, that we're actually valued by people that can make change. necessary change, exactly. It felt really nice. I liked it. <laughs>